Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 158 of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Lind. And I am Kayla Moria. And we are a paranormal podcast. Yes, we are. Kayla, how's it going? It's going good. Good, good. Uh, it was the best human being on the entire planet's birthday yesterday. yesterday. Yes, yes. So we went and hung out with our Travis. She's talking about Sean, by the way, if you didn't know. Oh, yes, yes. My husband, Sean. <laughs> um, we went and hung out with our Travis. Nice. And watched him play dodgeball as part of his dodgeball league. Cute. Which, by the way, I now want to start a dodgeball league. It looks like so much fucking fun. It does. I would love to do that, but I don't have contacts. And I got hit in the face enough in middle school basketball. Well, they have rules where you're not allowed to hit people in the face. Mm. And they had those in basketball too, Kayla. <laughs> but like half of Travis's uh, team all wear glasses. Oh, okay. I was observing that. Oh, because you're like, hmm, glasses. Oh, wait, they have glasses. Exactly. So, uh, and then we played some board games. Awesome. Um, we missed the superb owl because we don't care about those sports. Oh, I was like, the what? The superb owl. But I understand Taylor Swift's boyfriend's team won. So good for her. Yes. And then last night we went and watched The Kills, which is one of Sean's all-time favorite bands. And a band opened for him that I'd never heard of called The Paranoids. Oh. And they were super fucking rad. That's awesome. So yeah, then we drove back today and now I'm here. Well, welcome back. Thank you. How are you doing? Um you ready to be cut open yeah next thursday man it's happening next thursday slice slice but what slice. i'm really excited about is this thursday because this thursday we have a podcast zoom date yeah with cara and steph from prophecy girls yeah i'm really excited <laughs> i thought for sure you were gonna take that from me no i was gonna let you okay well thank you thank you uh also i i got to hold a brand new baby Oh, cute. It was nine days old when I got to hold it. That's too much pressure. I would never. Oh, I I was fine. <laughs> I was I was digging it. Super chill, baby. Didn't cry. Just really wanted to just sleep. And I'm like, oh, I can do this. I recognize with this statement that nobody will ever let me hold their baby ever. And I'm okay with that. But ever just like look at somebody holding a baby and you're like, what if they just like and just like release their arms? You know, I would say that that is concerning. It's an intrusive thought it's that would intrusive never thought. happen. Yes. It would just, never happen. It's like, you know, how you get close to an edge of a really high thing and you want to jump off. Yeah. You would never. Right. But your brain just goes, what would happen? Like, what if I just did that? Like when you're driving over a bridge and you're like, what if I just... Yeah. Just, you would never. But You know, neurotypical people I don't think have those. We are fine. No one's hurting ourselves or other people. This is not a real thing that, but yeah, I guess it's maybe, just a maybe neurodivergent thing. Maybe no. other people don't think about that. I don't know. According to TikTok, it's not something that neurotypical people experience. <laughs> uh, but it is something that a lot of neurodivergent people experience, which I promise I would never hurt a baby or anybody else. Promise. On purpose. On purpose. Yes, of course. Right. Of course. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on right. that note, should we start the? We uh, yeah, let's get into something else. Let's crack. Let's crack into it. <laughs> let's talk about something else. Okay, so 
As we discussed your story last week involving Art Bell. Yes. I was inspired because remember how I was telling you about that call that I couldn't remember, like if it was Art Bell or not? Right. It totally was. Ah. And it's actually, I guess, one of Art Bell's most famous, like, on-air interactions. Like, one of the most discussed. But. I love it when I inspire you. I love it when you inspire me, too. But the one thing, I, so forgive me, y'all, if this is a little disjointed, because I was trying to look up the legality of sharing, like, clips of it on the podcast, and I don't think we can. I don't think so either. That's why I didn't do any last week. Yep. So if it sounds a little disjointed, it is because it's a little hard to relay, like, a phone conversation. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But I'm going to do my best here. Uh, last week when I was editing... All I kept thinking is, damn, I say, and Mel was like, and then Art was like, and then Mel was like. But, you know, I was. It's a phone call. I was nervous about that when I wrote the story. But then I just listened to the latest episode of the Prophecy Girls and they have to do that because they're relaying an episode of television that they can't play clips of. Right. So they do that all the time where they're like, you know, Buffy says, Willow says, I'm like, it's fine. I'm fine. We're fine. Yeah, at least they have actions that they can, like, flip-de-doos that they can throw in there, where ours is, uh, doing an Art Bell story is just a conversation. (laughs) Okay, so, as I said, I found the call I was talking about last week, and it was on Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. I can't remember if you mentioned this or not, but I did see in an article titled, The Truth Was Out There, On the Legacy of Art Bell, that phone lines for Coast to Coast AM were open and unscreened. Uh, I don't think I mentioned it. I do know that there were t- like a couple different numbers to call. So there's like the first time callers and then there's the this caller. Yep. So and I do bring up the different lines a little bit. But it I think it's important for people to realize that Art wasn't like taking a bunch of calls and he didn't have anybody with him listening to the calls and then deciding who to put on. People just called in. Yeah, he didn't have a Roz from Frasier. Yep. And if you did call and he was already talking to somebody, you just kept calling. That was kind of the way it worked. So I think that is important to note. And he had, as you were saying, the different lines, he had a special line reserved for callers only about inside information about Area 51 specifically. Oh, you know, that's a really good way to screen calls. Like you see which line is ringing, so you know that's an Area 51 call. Or at least it should be, unless the person is a jerk. Exactly. And we've mentioned this before, but for our newbies out there, Area 51 is in southern Nevada, and it is the common name of a highly classified United States Air Force facility within the Nevada Test and Training Range. A remote detachment administered by Edwards Air Force Base The facility is officially called Homey Airport or Groom Lake after the salt flat next to its area. Details of the operations are not made public, but the Air Force says that it's just an open training range. That's their story behind it. And it is commonly thought to support the development and testing of experimental aircraft and weapons systems and, you know, the whole alien thing. Now, did you say it was Homey? H-O-M-E-Y, Homey. Oh, like you're chilling with your homies? (laughs) Your alien homies. I spell homie like rolling with the homies, H-O-M-I-E, but I don't know if that's right. I do as well. By the whole alien thing, 
I mean the fact that Area 51 has become a focus of many conspiracy theories, especially those involving UFOs and life from areas other than Earth. Was it in 2020 when we were all going to go just like... 2019. 2019, we are all going to go you just say, run towards it? You say we? I was never going to... Oh, I wasn't either. I meant like society. Okay. I was like... As, I a, w- as a whole, we were all just going to... We were all just going to go run and just bombard them with people. Yeah, and their logic was... I think the the statement was, let's all go find out about the aliens. They can't get all of us at once. Bitch, that is the U.S. government. Yes, they could if they wanted to. They could get all of you. And I've seen enough war movies where the people on the horses in front, they get taken down. You never want to be in the front. And you know what? They're not scared of the horses. They aim for the horses. Yeah. Yeah, they do. So some of the most popular theories include the storage, examination, and reverse engineering of a crashed alien spacecraft including materials supposedly covered at Roswell, which I haven't covered yet, but I I really should. Yeah. And the study of their occupants and the manufacture of the aircraft based on alien technology. There's also the theory that this is a place for meetings or joint undertakings with extraterrestrials. There is the theory that this is the place where they develop exotic energy weapons for the Strategic Defense Initiative and other weapons programs. This is also where some people think they develop weather control. Oh. And this is also where some people think they develop technology for time travel and teleportation. We're giving a lot of credit to a singular military base. (laughs) I want to make a joke, but it's only funny because I grew up with a mom in the army. Okay, I'm ready. Yeah, especially an Air Force base. Ha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. She's laughing at it. I guarantee it. I don't know what that means. Uh, different branches of the government make fun of each other. So like the army people make fun of the air force. Oh, okay. People make fun of the marines. People make fun oh, of the navy. Okay. They're like, I mean, and at least apparent- we're not the navy. <laughs> and and, and, and it's pretty common that I think the air force gets made fun of the most. So that was the joke. Everybody thinks it's funnier when I explain my jokes after I tell them, right? I found it funnier because <laughs> I didn't get it. <laughs> If we have listeners that were in the military or had people, they probably thought it was funny. Probably. Okay. So, on September 11th, 1997, Art received a frantic phone call from a man who claimed to have worked in Area 51. I found the full recording of the episode, and it sounds like this call came in at about 1 hour and 37 minutes into the episode. So, if you want to hear the call for yourself, I'm going to post the YouTube on our uh, Facebook Mm-hmm. I have it scheduled. Oh, good. For midnight. So whenever you listen to this, it should be on there. Um, I also have a hashtag fun fact, but don't look up Mel's hole. Don't look up Mel's hole. But <laughs> the- <laughs> don't look up. Don't look in. You can you can uh, Google, uh, or not Google, you can uh, search on Spotify for uh, Coast to Coast with Art Bell. And you can find all of his most famous episodes. Oh, cool. And you can just like listen to them continuously. Oh, that's very cool. It is really cool. So again, if you want to listen to this call specifically and not the whole episode, check in at about one hour and 37 minutes. Okay. The caller was not divulging his location and he immediately said he was in a hurry. And the call, in my opinion, does not seem to be a hoax I think that you can hear it in the man's voice. 
that something's off. Okay. But Art says, you're on the air. Hello, Art? Yeah. Hi, um, uh, I, I don't have a whole lot of time. Um, and then he just kind of sputters and Art is trying to calm him down because I assume he gets weird calls like this all the time where he's oh, trying yeah. to, you know. Give me more information. Yep. So he says, hold on, let's start by finding out if you're using this line properly. And the guy just goes, Area 51. Oh, okay. Right. So were you an employee or are you an employee now? And the guy sounds like he's on the verge of tears or panic. And he goes on, he's like, I, I am a former employee. I was let go on a medical discharge about a week ago. And and then he starts sobbing. Oh, no. He says, I've kind of been running across the country. Um, oh, man, I, I don't know where to start. They, they're going to they're gonna triangulate on this position very soon. And again, Art is now trying to keep him calm so that they can keep having the conversation and he's and the guy's obviously freaking out so art's like so you can't stay on the phone just give us something quick right okay um um okay what we're thinking as aliens art they're extra dimensional beings that an earlier precursors of the space program made contact with uh they are not what they claim to be uh they have infiltrated a lot of uh, a lot of aspects of the military establishment, particularly Area Fifty One. Uh, the d- the disasters that are coming, the military. I'm I'm sorry. The government knows about them, and there are a lot of safe areas in this world that they could begin moving the population in this world to now. Art and Art kind of like he fades off, and Art goes, but they're they're not doing anything. And he just gets even louder. He's like, they are not. They want the major population centers wiped out so that the few that are left will be more easily controllable. Well, that doesn't sound good. Yeah. And at this point, there's something with the broadcast that starts to break up. Oh, no. It cuts in and out. At some point. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. At some point, you can hear Art say the word discharge, but then it cuts out again. And when it comes back in, you can hear the man crying and you hear, I started getting, and it cuts out again. What? Transmission lost. And then this kind of like general radio song starts happening in the clip, like hold music. But I guess in real time, they cut to a radio show with Mark Furman, who was a former LAPD guy that was also a radio talk show host. Okay. That was, I guess, in the same like station. Okay. And then all of a sudden it cuts back. Back to art. And he's chatting with another man on the phone. And the guy asked what just happened, and art says the transmitter blew its cookies. Uh huh. In some way, something knocked us off the air, and we're on backup systems now. And then the different caller they took on was like, is it the government or? Right. And Art's all annoyed and he's like, I don't know. That's <laughs> literally the tone of voice he used. He's like, I don't, I don't know. know. Like, the- I'm not an engineer. <laughs> it's only been 30 seconds. We have not had time to like troubleshoot this. <laughs> and so the caller is like, it has to be something though. Art then brings up why they have this second caller and he says did you hear now tell me because you were listening and he's like yeah that was strange art said 
there was a really weird guy on the air when it went off. And they kind of talk about it, like asking, like they're, these two are conversing about whether they thought that caller was being honest or maybe it was someone going through some kind of distress Mental of some health kind. situation. And then Art asked the caller how far into the conversation it got before the conversation cut off on his end as a listener. Oh, right. And the caller said about 15 or 20 seconds only, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And Art goes, well, you really missed a call then, and I've got a feeling someone didn't want you to hear it. Caller goes, because it was really strange, and all of a sudden I'm hearing Mark Furman, and and Art says, that's right. The network went immediately to a backup tape while we tried to figure out what blew up here. So that's what you heard happen. And now we're on a backup link system to be on the air right now. So, And then they kind of continued on a normal on-the-air conversation. Uh, The guy had questions for Art and asking him to expand on other stuff. Yeah. And as that's happening... This music starts playing behind their conversation and Art cuts the guy off and says, apparently we'll be back after the news, I think. So I think this AM station might have had, from what I can understand, maybe like news breaks, like as Art's break in his four hour block. That makes sense. I know that there were breaks because I heard them in the Mel's Mm -hmm. Bowl episodes. So I think he was indicating that he was being played off by the music at that point. Though his stuff was kind of breaking up again, but that could just be because they were on a backup system. Right. When his show continued, you hear Art say, we lost all transmit capability on this end. Here in Nevada, the transmitter went belly up suddenly for some unknown reason. I've never seen do this in all the years, all the years that we've been on the air. I've never seen a transmitter in this way simply fail massively fail like a massive heart attack or some kind and so now we've got a backup system to get signal to you and i assume it's getting to you right now right but who knows how far it's going yep and just so we're clear when art says all the years he means it because again i didn't remember if we discussed this or not but art 78 art got his first broadcasting license when he was 13 Oh, my God. At like just a local radio station where he grew up. Oh, okay. According to Historic Mysteries, he then continued broadcasting work throughout his life. He did it when he was a teenager. He was in the military for some time. And while he was in the military, he did it as part of that. And then it continued when he got out of the military. So that's a long ass time for this to be his first encounter with a transmitter issue like this. What year is this happening in? 1997. This was September 11th, 1997 when this call came in. That's the same year as Mel's Hole. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) I forgot about that. So now that story went quiet. Right. The guy did not call back. Like probably got murdered. For that episode. Um, They triangulated him. (laughs) And they kind of moved on because they didn't know anything definite. Right. What can you do? Yep. And it sounds like Art didn't really cling to a lot of things when he was broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Like, he took the stories as they came. Mm-hmm. And if people wanted to call and follow up, he would, like, listen. But he wasn't actively searching people out because he was a busy man. Right. So. 10 million listeners a week. Until about a year later, supposedly the same frantic caller, as he's been dubbed on the internet. Okay. Uh, called back again on April 28th. 1998 
admitting that the original call was fraudulent. So this person called back saying that was a hoax. However, if you listen to people's analysis of it, they believe, many people believe that the second call was the hoax because the caller's voice, tone, and mannerisms have called into question whether this was the same person. Mm. Many believe this was a cover-up from the government as the original call was cut off, and they knew, they're basically thinking that the government knows people aren't going to drop this, so they need to have a second call back with somebody claiming to be that person. Right, September to March, you said? Yep. Yeah, but the people just weren't letting it go, and they're like, we got to do something about this. Others believe that it was the same person, but he was being forced to call back and make it look fake for the people that weren't convinced that the voice was different, a different person. Ah. So I listened to the second call. He identifies himself right away, and he calls himself Brian. No last name or anything. He just says, my name's Brian. Standard art beginning. You're on the air. Caller. Hey, Art, this is Brian. You didn't disconnect me before, did you? And Art sounds all confused and asked if the caller if he was on earlier in that night. And he says, no, not um, towards the end of the hour. You said east of the Rockies, you're on the air. And your voice was immediately replaced by the operator saying your party has not connected. But Art then points out that he doesn't screen calls. And if this happens, it's likely that the call was just, it was like when you try to call. So once upon a time, when you would call landlines, if the person didn't have a call waiting, call call waiting or no, because if they had, if they didn't have call waiting, it would just be a busy signal. But oh, if they had yeah. multiple lines, but you were already on the phone and not answering, mm-hmm. it would just ring and ring and ring and ring and ring for however long until the phone service was like, okay, y'all, they're not answering and it would hang up for you. Yes. So it sounds like this was a pretty common occurrence, probably because Art got a lot of calls. Yeah. So he already knew how to answer that type of response. They chat for a little bit and the caller goes on to say, I'm always, I always get very nervous when I call you. I'm Brian. I hung up on you last week and I just figured, damn the torpedoes. I'll just do this and let the chips fall where they will. And by the way, through this whole thing, I do think he sounds like a different guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he does throw in a lot of the uhs and ums. When I was doing that voice earlier to try to convey, all those uhs and ums were actually in the call. I made sure to put them on there. Yeah. Because that's how the guy was speaking. But it doesn't sound right. Like the ums and uhs he were putting in there were like trying to simulate the first call maybe? I have heard of on uh, like uh, 911 calls. Yeah. Where, pe- where people like break them down to see whether or not people think that they're real. Mm-hmm. It's just like if you if you're trying to emulate someone who's who's talking like that. Yes, you add them. But sometimes it doesn't seem natural. So, yeah, not natural. Exactly. That's perfect. So he says, everybody, I am the Area 51 caller. That's my statement. And let you or whatever tear it apart. So they talk about it a bunch. And the guy claims that he's called Art several times creating wacky characters So he's saying he's hoaxed Art several times at this point. And that was what the Area 51 guy was supposed to be. Okay. And Art talks him through it, you know, asks him what he thinks about the call cutting out and everything. And Brian said that was not planned and it scared the heebie-jeebies out of him. 
okay. because it means that he's like, well, what if what I was fake calling about was the truth? Right. And I made this story up, but it's too close to the truth. So somebody intervened. He apologized and Art kind of grumbled at him. Like he was obviously annoyed. Right. And Art could be annoyed for several reasons. One, you tried to hoax him. Two, you hoaxed his listener base. Three, you now admitted that several characters that Art has taken as part of his show is now like people have to listen back to every single thing and be like, is this that Brian guy? Did right. he did he fuck with us? So And like I I guess I just I mean, I'm I assume you're gonna cover it, but like I don't understand his motivation for calling now and admitting it. Well, at this point, to prove that it's really him, Art asked him to give a little bit of what the character he gave that night so that they could see if it sounded the same. Ah, smart. Smart art. And the guy goes into his frantic caller voice, and it does sound very similar, but again, not the same. Okay. He starts saying, like, the things about how, like, art, he's, he's doing that frantic voice, and he continues in the frantic, but it just, it sounds different. Mm. But if he's not in the vibe of it, you know, like, he's just... Versus we probably practiced before the first call. Right. Something like that. I found a YouTube video that compares the two. And maybe I'll post, maybe I'll schedule that too. Yes, please. I want to watch it. It kind of compares, oh, maybe I'll I'll delete the one I have scheduled and post this one instead. So that you don't have to go and listen through a whole Art Bell episode to find it. (laughs) That makes more sense. But. I mean, I don't know. Apparently Art Bell is our new best friend. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's since deceased. Yes, I know. I would have liked to have been friends with him, I think. So look for that. I'll swap those two out. And he ends the conversation with, thank you for this opportunity. It's been driving me bananas for months. So I think at this point, his reasoning for calling back and explaining it was that he was freaked out by the fact that the transmission got cut off. And at that point, he was feeling guilty that he maybe turned something that was supposed to be like a funny hoax call into a more intense, believable problem. Okay. I personally don't understand people who do hoaxes because it's funny in general. Like, that's Mm -hmm. not my vibe. But, okay. Okay. The clip from that first call of him being all frantic has become extremely famous. It's been referenced many times. The clip has been sampled for a very long list of songs, including uh, probably the most popular is Fape D-O-I-O-I-D, F-A-A-I-P-D-E-O-I-O-D by Tool. Tool fans go nuts, so I feel like I had to spell that out because I don't I don't listen to Tool. So, uh, me neither. <laughs> uh, the Area 51 by Phase One. Extra Dimensional Palette Cleanser by Norma Jean. I did know that one. <laughs> uh, the Frantic Collar by Chimpzilla and X-Files by Excerpt. So, and that's just a small frag, like fraction of all the songs that sample that call. Wow. Um, in 2021, this was just a little interesting little bit here. Uh, a legal dispute came up about over Art Bell's archives. Oh. Uh, It was David Rubini, who was a gentleman who says he was a protege of Bell. Okay. And Michael Marshalik, who, by the way, sounds like a real fucking piece of work. Uh, North Jersey News described him as a conspiracy radio fan turned anti-face mask crusader 
And of late, he faces charges for allegedly holding his five-year-old son captive during a police standoff over COVID restrictions. Oh, wow. He sounds like a winner. A winner. But they were fighting over a collection of Art Bell's final shows. It was like 100 episodes before he died in 2018. Uh-huh. Rubini claims that Marshallek invested in his online radio venture and then stole the archives. It might still be going on because I looked and looked and looked and I could not find the resolution. Mm. Yeah, interesting thing about the United States justice system, it moves slowly and stupidly. And that was the really big kicker for why I was like, I'm not sharing any sounds from this. Yep. I was like, yeah, we already don't want to, we already risk the biscuit every time I decide to just start singing a song. Uh, <laughs> I really don't need biscuit. to. <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Anyway, that was just a little extra bonus thingy here. Uh, in 2014, comic book writer Brian J.L. Glass claimed that he was the caller. Uh, though he admits that the satellite outage, again, scared the heebie-jeebies out of him. Okay. But there's no proof of any kind. It's just Brian saying that he did it. And then the other Brian calling back. And he's like, see, my name is Brian. This has been one of Art Bell's most discussed phone calls. I can see that. And like I said, I found out about it from an ex-partner. And when it when I first listened to it, and this would have been back in like 2010 probably, it did freak me the heck out. And I guess at this point... This is where the story ends because there's no further information on it. There's a bunch of people analyzing the call. Right. Uh, there's a bunch of people analyzing both calls. There are people discussing what it could mean. And then the big argument there is like all these disasters and these things that are coming. People are tying it in with the whole uh, Area 51 controls the weather. Oh. So they're saying like these disasters that are coming People could like they could be moving people to these safe areas of the world and they're not because they want to control the population. And then on those forums and these discussions, people are then, you know, mentioning different hurricanes, floodings, things like that, saying that it's, you know, a big government conspiracy. And they're tying all of it to that. But there's no actual like scholarly sources for analysis. It's all conspiracy theory stuff. So for my uh Skeptic scale this week. Instead of saying, is this para or is this normal? I'm going to ask you to rate it on a scale of one to five. Is it a hoax or not? One being, it's 100% a hoax. Five being, I believe that wholeheartedly. That this was a real caller and that the rest of it was all cover up. Oh, that's really hard because I didn't get to hear it. But just off of your, off of your, just the explanation. Because I mean, there's tons of things that we rate knowing that we probably need to should look into things ourselves, but I just, I want to get your initial thought on it. I'm going to give it a three because I can't decide. (laughs) Honestly, as somebody who listened to all the calls uh, several times, yep, I'm going to go three. And I, it's, I'm not a conspiracy theory person generally. Mm -hmm. I I don't buy into a bunch of conspiracy theories, but I do think that there is, when it comes to extraterrestrials, extra dimensional beings, I think there is a lot of stuff, even with the declassified information we have access to, 
There's a lot of stuff that's redacted. There's a lot of stuff that's out there that, like, even if that's what they released, who knows how much stuff we don't have access to. There's just too much unknown. And unless I plan to try to join the military, which I'm not, and then move up in the ranks at 35 years of age and do all, I'm never going to find out. I don't think they'd let you join with that hair. No, they probably wouldn't. I could shave my head. Be G.I. Jane. Every okay. time I go in and I risk a, a new hairstyle, I just tell Kirby, I'm like, if, if it gets fucked up, Kirby's my hairstylist. If it gets fucked up, we'll just shave my whole head. And she goes, okay. So <laughs> love that. Love that for you. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the famous Area 51 caller to Art Bell's Coast to Coast AM. I love that. I kind of think that uh, we're, Art Bell's going to show up in more stories. Mm-hmm. Like a... Uh, my next one. Oh, I'm so excited. I know. What a transition, right? What a, just a magical Segue. transmission. Oh, you know, transmission. <laughs> My brain is still on the just radios. <laughs> transition. Uh, before we hop into your story, though, uh, I'm excited about this because the Art Bell link now. Yeah. Because you know I love to talk about aliens, and I have been lacking Hull. in my alien stuff lately, Hull. and I am going to deep dive. Hull. So... I think on Spotify, when I pull it up, uh, something UFO is the number one. I'm so excited. Also, also on Spotify, it will give you the uh, translation. Oh, like the the, uh, transcript? Thank you. The transcript. Yes. Okay, sweet. So, I mean, obviously it's, uh, I cut out the parts in last week's story where I definitely started reading what Art had said back (laughs) as part of the original facts. Um, But- it at least gives you a better idea as to where to go. All right. Perfect. Oh, one more thing before you start your story. Jokes? Yeah. Sorry. I forgot the jokes. Who was the best dancer at the Monster Ball? I don't know. The Boogeyman. Oh, my God. I was thinking <laughs> something about someone doing the Boogie Woogie. And then, okay. Any, anyway. Anyway. What is a monster's favorite play? Oh, I'm getting so much closer. Um. Yeah, uh, Frankenstein, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Boo! <laughs> I didn't like that one. That one was dumb. <laughs> All right, I am ready for it. I am ready for Mel's hole. I know you are. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Previously on Mel's hole. Previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. On February 21st, 1997, see, earlier in the year, a man named Mel Waters from the Menashtash Ridge region of Washington State appeared on Coast to Coast AM after having sent Art Bell a fax, which read, I I cut down the fax, by the way, it's not the whole fax. (laughs) Just, Just the meat of it. Just the fax and nothing but the fax. Dear Art, I'm writing to you to see if I can get some help from you or your vast listening audience. On our property, there is a hole, and like the previous owners and the owners before them, we've been throwing trash into the hole. Again, dumb. Apparently, the hole has been there as long as anyone can remember. At first, I thought it was an ancient well. The hole is nine feet nine inches in diameter, there is a stone retaining wall around it, and we put a steel door on top to keep anyone from falling into it. People have been throwing their trash into the well for decades. Furniture, household trash... Dead cows, building debris, you name it. Refrigerators, apparently. 
I left that one in, I think. <laughs> uh, the thing is, I noticed that the hole never filled up. I emptied three fishing reels of about 1,500 yards of monofilament, trying to determine the depth. So far, I've sunk 80,000 feet into the hole without reaching the bottom. Dogs refuse to get within 100 feet of the hole. Birds won't sit on the retaining wall or the metal door. There's no echo when you yell into the hole. I've never heard anything hit the bottom when tossed in. We once tossed in an old refrigerator. (laughs) And we never heard it hit bottom. No crash, splash, or crunch. I hope your listeners can help with possible explanations. I'm wondering if this, based on my measurements thus far, might be the deepest hole on earth. Signed, Mel Waters. I want to revisit my whole rant, but if you haven't listened to last week, you really should so that you understand fully why I am so frustrated and giggling at this fax again About the refrigerator. And just in general. I know. Dead cows. Jesus. (sighs) I don't need to revisit my whole rant. All right. (laughs) Uh, But this fax got Art Bell all sorts of curious, and he ended up inviting Mel on an episode of Coast to Coast AM to hear more about Mel's hole. It was determined that Mel had sunk about 15 miles worth of monofilament down into the hole to try and reach the bottom. But it appears it may be even deeper than that. A neighbor had allegedly thrown his dead dog into the hole, and it appears to have come back to life. And while Mel said that he wasn't interested in going into the hole himself, it is written in his will that were he to meet an untimely end, throw him in the hole. Though they did have a caller offer <laughs> to go into the hole himself. Fucking dumbass. If there was a cage that he could ride in that would allow him to go back up with the press of a button. <laughs> so, you know, potential game plan for getting to the bottom of Mel's hole. <laughs> Mel's a bottom. Uh, Mel and Art talked about Mel's hole for about an hour that first night. Of course, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, go back and give it a once through. But we ended that episode with Mel back on the line with Art about a week later after having sent another fax, which summed up basically that Mel drove past his property to discover that there were armed military personnel blocking the road. When he asked what was going on, they said there, there had been a plane crash. Mel said that it didn't seem likely, there was no smoke, and either way, it was his property. Then, quote, I was told by this man that it wasn't necessarily my property and that it would be very easy to find a drug lab on my property. Well, I got the drift. I asked if I could leave, and he said, sure. Don't come back till we contact you. I asked if he wanted a way to contact me. He said, they know how to contact me. I said, I suppose you don't want me talking about this to anybody? And he said... Nobody would believe it, unquote. Uh, He also wrote something about a strange black beam coming out of the hole, which his neighbor claimed to have seen a while back during the night. And we ended with Art once again talking to Mel on the phone. I'm ready. I've been waiting all week, and I did not look into this at all. Good. Don't do it, Kayla. So, Mel was pretty freaked out about the military presence and, you know, the, the threats. And he said that actually right after their first conversation a week ago, it was about then when he started to notice some helicopter activity over his property. The segment aired, Mel got a couple of hours of sleep, and then he went out to weigh the line, which is what one of the callers suggested he do. So he went out to weigh the line, and that's when he first noticed one. 
So just hours after the first phone call. Mm -hmm. And he was thinking that maybe somebody was out there listening to Coast to Coast and started to get curious. Oh, yep. That'll happen. You put your information out there. Even if you didn't include where you are, people have a ways of figuring shit out. Well, especially when you included your name. Yeah. And, you know, the Menash Dash. Yep. Ridge region of Washington. Yep. Now, Art had called Mel, not on the air, uh, after that last fax, and the two decided that the best thing that Mel could do is to go public about it. Uh, basically, you know, not give anyone the opportunity to quietly disappear him. <laughs> wow. Wow. Art is stirring the pot. He's stirring the pot. And so that is why he's he's back on Coast to Coast a week later. So now Mel says, in addition to the armed personnel guarding the entrance to his property, there are now physical barriers that have been put up to stop vehicles from entering. He calls them jersey barriers. They're basically just those giant concrete blocks that, like, if your highway is getting redone. Yeah. And a neighbor had told him that they also witnessed several mobile or temporary buildings being moved onto the property. He basically said it was like a parade, like the military was just bringing in building after building after building. Uh, But they were all set up with equipment and generators, which they would need because Mm. although there are buildings on Mel's property, uh, there's no electricity or phone lines or anything. But the military set up a nice little camp there. Mm -hmm. Art once again confirms that this is in fact Mel's property. He is the holder of the deed. uh, And Mel confirms that yes, well, him in the bank. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, same boy. <laughs> but the fact is, I mean, uh, the, the military don't give a fuck if you own the property property oh, or not. They do not care. They really don't. Uh, and also, though, with the threat of finding a drug lab, he was concerned that they might seize the property from him. So even if it's officially his, if they're going to seize it because of a drug lab. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically just a legal loophole. Mm hmm. And so Art said, yeah, but you don't have a drug lab on your property, so you should be fine. And then Mel's like, actually. To which Mel went, well. No way. I was joking. No fucking way. (laughs) Is Mel a meth head? Is this? (laughs) So Mel explains that he doesn't have a drug lab. But. He's growing pot. He is growing some stuff. (laughs) See, Mel is a retired fella. And he dabbles in the alternative health field. And in 97, it was not nearly as uh, debatable as it is now. Yeah. 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 But it wasn't actually weed. Oh. Okay. So there are some plants that indigenous health practitioners have been using for centuries to treat various ailments. They grow native in northern Nevada, which is apparently a similar climate to the Manastash region of Washington. So Mel imported them and now cultivates these plants and they are used for things like the common cold or the flu. And apparently they're very effective in treating these things. However, they're not like a regulated thing. So it's questionable is what we're getting at. Yeah. So while he isn't growing weed or cranking out crank or whipping up methamphetamines, One might say that he has a drug lab, uh, (laughs) a lab, you know, uh, and so were they to want to seize his property, it's not just an empty threat. Okay. okay, And they probably would have stumbled upon this lab 
during their research. (laughs) Yeah. So that, along with the fact that he also received a message today on his answering machine from his real estate agent that said that there was someone very interested in purchasing his property and would make Mel a very generous offer for it. Putting two and two together, it seems like somebody wants to get their hands on his land. They want the well. They want his hole. They want his hole. They want it bad. (laughs) So Art asked him, you know, what are you going to do now? Are you going to accept the quote, this generous offer and get, you know, get out of this with your skin intact and a few bucks? Or are you going to fight whatever this is? All of this. All of this. <laughs> Whatever is happening We're gesturing right now. very widely when we were like, all of this. Which was a very good question. And Mel didn't know what the offer was yet. He hadn't called his real estate agent back at the time of the show's airing. But also, even if it's not that generous, he also had to weigh the potential consequences of turning it down because of, you know, the whole drug lab thing. Yeah. And what could happen with that. Yeah. Plus, I mean, we don't know him and his financial situation. Right. But, I mean, it's like the people out on Canal Park here that are, sell- like, there's a bunch of houses in an area of Duluth that there's one person buying up all of them because they offer way more than what asking would be. Yeah. Even when the people aren't trying to sell their home. Right. And- Depending on your situation, that can be really hard to turn down. Even when a great mystery is involved, if it's going to get you out of a situation where you were a little rough, you'd probably take it anyway. That and also the fact that you don't want to go to jail for drugs. Yes. But I'm just saying, like, if we weren't even counting the drug situation, oh, it would right. still yeah. be difficult. Yeah. Like, what yeah. what are you offering, though? Exactly. But, like, maybe. Yeah. But just because he couldn't get on the property because... <laughs> It's blocked off and is guarded by armed men. Doesn't mean that he hadn't been trying to figure out more about this hole in the meantime. So Mel sat down with one of his neighbors, an elderly gentleman, uh, who said that going back maybe 40, 50 years, that the hole actually used to have columns around it. Ooh. Okay. So, yeah, so there's there's more than just it didn't always it wasn't always just a hole. No. okay. no, allegedly, allegedly there were columns around it. Mel wasn't really sure what that meant. So he basically drew a little picture of the property on a napkin and had the man draw these columns. After seeing what he drew, Mel pulled up a picture of Stonehenge to show the man. And he said, yeah, like that. Stonehenge is a big area of mystery, too. Yeah, but unlike Stonehenge, though, the columns didn't have the, like, the big stones that go across it. It was just the columns. Okay, okay. But still. Still fucking weird. Yeah. The two, uh, Mel and Art, went on to talk about another fax sent in by a listener, which said, the following is a theory regarding Mel's property. I'm sorry, he didn't say Mel's hole. (laughs) So, regarding Mel's property, one, imagine two naturally occurring iron veins just happening to reach towards the Earth's surface around the Menashtash Ridge area of Washington. Also, can we take a second to be like, oh my gosh, Brittany keeps saying Menashtash 
correctly. I'm so proud of you. I'm like a proud mama. You should be. All right. So it's uh, these iron veins reaching up from the depths of the earth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And there is a tremendous amount of naturally generated high voltage electricity deep in the earth. What if the bottom of the hole on Mel's property is a naturally occurring focal point? A lot like the device that Mr. Harkin built. The earth could have its own, in effect, time machine. Over the centuries, through various quakes and so forth, all of the soil above the portal would have fallen into the bottom and been launched into another time. This explains the lack of echoes and the apparent depth of the hole. Tell Mel to lower a clock in there. Unquote. Oh my God. (laughs) So unintentionally, our stories are kind of lining up with the government conspiracy and, you know... I was, for the longest time, I was made the joke when people talk about how they don't use, like, Google Homes. Right. Because the joke was, in the 50s, everybody was scared of the government wiretapping them. Uh-huh. And now we're like, hey, wiretap, how do I make pancakes? <laughs> you know, like, and I was always like, well, yeah, who cares? Let them, let them fucking listen to me, ask them for the 15th time how to hard boil eggs. But... Now I'm spreading government conspiracy theories and we're lining up and we might be getting too close. If this cuts off Spotify, y'all, let me know. (laughs) Just kidding. I hope hope it's only after it's uploaded, though, because if this just suddenly cuts off and I have to try and edit this, (laughs) I'm going to be in a pure panic because it's Tuesday, (laughs) y'all. I have to edit this right when we're done. All right, so... That was a wild email, mm-hmm. a.k.a. fax, because this is 1997. And I had no idea who Mr. Markham was. It seemed to be a really big point of this man's uh, thing, yeah. argument, a lot a, a lot like the device that Mr. Markham had built. And I'm like, what does that mean? I thought it was someone famous. It is not. It is a, another coast-to-coast AM story. A man named Madman Markham... It's like a super villain. Is his full name. And the blurb from the Coast to Coast AM website said about him, quote, in 1995, then 21-year-old Michael Madman Markham stole six power transformers from a Missouri power station to use in a large-scale time machine that he was attempting to construct. Stupid. Unquote. Yeah. Yeah. Dumb. Uh, Apparently that Madman Markham was dumb. Well, he was mad. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, basically, I guess this this original fax is saying that if electricity can travel through an iron vein in the earth, it could cause a, an earth self-made time machine Oh, which is where all the stuff goes. I'm not saying that he's dumb for trying to make a time machine. I'm saying that he's dumb for stealing things from this power company. Oh, that's, that's a the felony. No, I know. That's I know. the dumb part. I was I was just putting it together so people got were it. following along. Okay. So I got to I got to look up these episodes because I want to know more about Madman Markham and his, did did he like admit to these crimes on air? Is that how he was caught? Because he called in Coast to Coast AM and is like, "Hi, I stole six transformers from a power company." 
<laughs> Next thing you know, we are no longer a paranormal podcast. We're an Art Bell fan club. <laughs> okay. Or we'll just have a, a completely different podcast and we'll be an Art Bell fan podcast. <laughs> an Art Bell re-listen podcast. Which is just us re-saying what happened on the Art Bell and then, podcast. And then discussing it. There's been podcasts made for less. And you know what? Honestly, <laughs> that's a lot of years. of We could do that podcast fucking indefinitely. <laughs> yeah, because he started in 1978, I think. And went on for forever. Into the 2000s. Yep, exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, so... This idea of a potential time travel scenario reminded Mel of something that he had read. Mel said that he had been to the university library doing research about Earth's geology, and he found, similar to what I said last week, that on average, the Earth's crust is about 20 miles beneath the surface. I think I said 18. Okay. And he said that he read about something called the Moho discontinuity. Okay. It was named for a guy named uh, Mohovic, I think. He was a Croatian seismologist. And he discovered that P waves, which are seismic waves, through this discontinuity move faster than the rest of the Earth. What I gathered is, because <laughs> I was like, huh. And he, he didn't explain it very well. I literally read the transcript. So what I gather is that when you're on Earth, it travels like it's spinning at about seven kilometers per second. Then there is right underneath the crust of the earth, a layer that travels eight kilometers per second. I looked it up and the Wikipedia definition of it is says, quote, usually called the Moho discontinuity, Moho boundary, or just Moho. It is the boundary between the crust and the mantle of the Earth. It is defined by the distinct change in velocity of seismic waves as they pass through changing densities of rock, unquote. Two things. Yes. One. Yes. It is evident by this conversation that I'm still not good at science. Two. I don't think I explained it very well because I am also not very good at science. Two. I recognize that I'm doing this only for the joke. Are you implying that there are P waves in Mel's hole? Kayla. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Continue. So scientists think that this has something to do with different chemical compositions of this layer. But because we can't dig that deep, we can't go 20 feet into the earth. At this point, yeah, we don't really know why it happens. It's just there's this weird layer that goes faster than the rest of the Earth. But I think that what Mel was getting at is that there is science to indicate that at that depth, there may be something wonky happening with time. Okay. And it might not be full on like time travel per se, but it's not time as we experience it on Earth's surface. Something's off even if it's not time travel, it's just not correct. It's not the way we perceive it. Correct. Okay. And I'm not even going to go into the perception of time because yeah, science. Fucking, we don't do that. Fucking my worst area of the SATs. Although I am happy to announce everyone that Kara confirmed Kayla's math. 
yeah. last week's episode. We got conf- confirmation of my ocean math. <laughs> I needed somebody smarter than me to do it. <laughs> um, that uh, release the Kraken is also from Clash of the Titans. Not Pirates of the Caribbean. No. Um, it's really funny. Kara, a message just for you. I wish that you could see the messages I send Kayla because as I edit, <laughs> I basically put all of the correct information that we got wrong throughout the episode and it's just like one message. Like it's from this, another message. And I don't really give any context. It's just as I come about them, I Google them and then I'm like, oh shit, we were like really wrong on that. Y'all, the problem is two main things. One, Brittany edits while I'm already in bed. <laughs> so I wake up to a giant wall of text about how we were wrong. And then I <laughs> receive later messages from my mother about how we were wrong. <laughs> I get them from my sister sometimes. And I'm like, Andrea, I already looked it up. I know. <laughs> but they don't know that we know. So I'm not deterring anybody from telling me I was wrong. I'm just saying, yeah, I do. And I do eventually get the message and I accept it. Usually for me, it's bright and early. <laughs> bright and I just early. want you to know you were wrong about 17 things. <laughs> In this last episode. <laughs> Thanks, Brittany. Thanks. So after Mel went into all this information about P waves in his hole, uh, now... <laughs> now, <laughs> now Art responded to this with, a, well, now, I don't know anything about that. Uh, that's very interesting. All I know is that we had all kinds of cool plans. I've got volunteers who are willing to go down in your hole. But now, (laughs) that's not obviously, it's not going to occur because they have your hole. They have the hole. And throughout the call, folks had been, you know, calling and chiming in about how Mel should go out there with like a bunch of folks and demand his hole back. That's never going to work. Yeah, some folks suggested with guns. Stupider plan. Uh Uh-huh. One guy actually went on this whole rant about this is why we need militias so the government can't take our land. It's not the way that works, but okay. It was very weird. But others said that Mel should go out in like a huge drove with like media. Probably. So that you could document everything. Probably the smartest plan. I still wouldn't call it smart. In the end, Mel was worried that it would just lead to his arrest for being a drug dealer. Thank you. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Mel. So they're like, Smart. even if even if we go out with all of like the Seattle media, you would You're still gonna be arrested you're and you're gonna get arrested. You can do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it did bring up the idea that if there really had been a plane crash, the media would already know. Like Mel said, some kid throws a snowball at a car and it makes the newspaper here. So if a civilian plane or a regular military plane went down, folks would know about it. Yeah. It's giving me two harbors. It's giving me Grand Marais. It's giving me Silver Bay, like tiny little towns in our area. Exactly. So one caller suggested that he charter his own plane to fly over the property just to see what's going on. But Mel said that he was pretty sure that one, they wouldn't allow it. And two, he also assumes that it's covered like the hole is yeah, covered. Yeah, and yeah. so you wouldn't be able to see anything anyway. Yeah. I'm thinking very uh, X-Files where the kid fell into the, like the movie. X-Files, the first movie yeah, when the kid yeah, yeah. falls into the ground and then they build a playground over it. But yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. Uh, spoiler alert, Brittany. 
God. Again, that show is so old. (laughs) Also, if you were taking the plane up to like confirm the crash, the idea that there was a crash would have originated from Mel. So if basically if he goes up, they get mad at him. They're like, why are you flying over this airspace? He'd be like, because you said there was a plane crash. And then they would just say, no, there wasn't. We didn't say that. Mel's the only one who heard them say that. Yep, 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 yep. So that's it, it's kind of the whole point is that nothing has been said publicly. But then there was a caller who seemed to confirm Mel's story. Mm-hmm. So this guy named Scott from Kirkland, Washington, who had grown up in Yakima. Okay. And Yakima's the where that one caller from last week's episode had recommended that Mel get in touch uh, with the local sanitation department to rent out his hole for garbage after their local yeah. landfill was closed. Got it, got it, got it. Yakima. After living in Yakima, growing up in Yakima, he attended Central Washington University, which is in Ellensburg, which is where Mel actually lives. Okay. His property's not there, but it's where he lives. And Scott told Art and Mel that years ago, he had been having coffee with one of his old professors when his professor told him about a rumor. A rumor about a hole that no one knew the bottom of. And so this was like 1989, 1990, when this conversation had happened with this professor and this guy. So almost a decade, almost a decade prior. Yes. So at the time of Mel's call with Art, it's 1997. And Mel has only been living out there on that property for four years. Okay. So before Mel even purchased the property, seven or eight years before the phone call. Scott went on to say that what a lot of folks don't realize is that depending on the exact location of Mel's hole... Within five or 10 miles of it, there is one of the largest military reservations in the Pacific Northwest, possibly the largest in the whole Western United States. Okay. The Yakima Firing Center is where they did all of the training for Desert Storm. They, quote, have a bunch of satellite dishes up there that theoretically don't exist that they use to talk to satellites that aren't there. And so something like this hole just appearing within spitting distance of this military base actually makes a lot of sense. And if the military didn't have something to do with it, it definitely makes sense as to why they're interested in it now. Yep. So now what? I don't know. Well, Mel said that he doesn't know what he's going to do about the hole. Like it's getting to the end of the call. Uh, or what he's going to do about this predicament that he's now found himself in with the military camping out on his property. Art says he feels really bad. He's like, Mel, I can't help but feel responsible (laughs) 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 for this predicament that you're in. You sent me a fax. Yes, you wanted to know. You wanted help. But then I put you on air. And now the military is camped out on your your property and threatening to get you arrested for being a drug lord. He says he supposes it'll probably come down to a situation like The Godfather. Someone's going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Oh, I thought they were going to put a horse in his bed, a horse head in his bed. No, uh, they just throw those down the hole. (laughs) (laughs) With the cows. With the cows. (laughs) Mel said that he hopes that someone really does make him a generous offer and that he can just move away and then not have to deal with any of this nonsense. 
anymore. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go somewhere out of the country. Smart, smart. He said he'd rather be relocated to somewhere like Australia. You know, someplace that's geologically sound. <laughs> but what happens next to Mel and his hole? You're going to have to wait till next week because this is a three-parter, baby. <laughs> Brittany, I swear. I'm finishing it next week. I swear to Satan, if you do not finish this next week... I'm going to throw you down Mel's hole. I, I don't know where it is. I will find it. And I will throw you down it. Wait until you hear what happens next week, Kayla. I just want to know now. <laughs> <sighs> All right. All right. It's it's getting finished next week. It's getting finished. It's 100% getting finished next week. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, yes. I have a I have a couple of thoughts. Okay. I love it. Give me give me thoughts. First, uh pretty sure Yakima is also a brand of like vehicle accessories, so that's what I thought oh, of every you time. Know, that does make a lot of sense. Yep, uh, thought about that every time. Uh-huh. Second, this type of stuff happens, and people wonder why we have to like we people like us have to rate things a three, right? Because like, you're like, I I don't know. And then I third, it doesn't matter if the people who believe in the conspiracy theory stuff are right or not. Right. People are always going to end up siding with the people who believe the government because it's A, less scary. I was going to say it's comforting. It's comforting. Sort of. It's B, it just sounds a little bit less like, it sounds a little bit less fairy tale-ish, I guess. Right. Like, if you, it's too fantastical to want to believe it. Right. Because if you side with the government, basically they're somehow covering up and filling in Mel's hole. And <laughs> and then see, you end up in a situation like this where like all of a sudden the government's threatening you. You're one person. What the heck are you going to do? And then all the people that are offering to help you and we'll storm the thing and we'll do the stuff and we'll do the thing. They all just sound like they are also going to get arrested and thrown into some random ass facility that you may never come out of. It's, you know, Art said, and I, I don't know if he used this exact phrase. But he was like, a lot of you are basically just little armchair warriors. Like, you're not here. Yeah. You're not fighting the fight. You're yeah. not having your livelihood or or your life threatened by people who, who want to turn indigenous medicines into drugs. Yeah. I can't even imagine what Art's life was like outside of the radio show. Right? That's wild. I know. I, I think I have a new obsession. Does it take much for us to have a new obsession? No, no, it does not. We're neurodivergent. We already <laughs> talked about this. We have intrusive thoughts and uh, we go down rabbit holes. I have only one sound effect to sum up this week's episode. Damn it. <laughs> you gotta push it. They'll keep clapping for us as long as, as we want them to, Kayla. I don't want to include the part where I fucked up the button. I, I was so confident I had the right one this time. Right. Well, because it's green. You automatically think supernatural, yep. spooky, green. I don't know. I think I might include where you accidentally went. Womp, womp, <laughs> Fine. I accept it. Hey, if you have any uh, 
weird, the government's trying to come at me stories, uh, paranormal experiences, anything you would like to share with us, you can do so not by calling in because we are not Art Bell, but you can do so by sending us an email leftofskeptic at gmail.com. You can also submit your story at our website, www.leftofskeptic.com, and click the listener stories tab at the top of the page. You can also get there through our link tree in our bio. You can choose to remain anonymous or include your name, whatever you prefer. We just ask that you please include your pronouns. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Left of Skeptic and Facebook at Left of Skeptic Podcast. Well, we want to thank you all for joining us this a spooky Wednesday. Um, make sure you join us next week where the story will be finished. It will be finished. <laughs> it will be finished. I can't do a four-parter. Three, par- three parts, it was, it was, it's already so long, but it will be finished. Because I also want to finish it. Yeah. And well, I want to tell you. All right. And I'm- then I want to hear your skeptic rating. I love it. I love it. Ah. All right. Happy Spooky Wednesday, everyone. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Okay. Wait. Oh, we love you and appreciate you. It's true, we do. Okay. okay. Bye. <laughs> What's it like to have to do the okay solo because you messed up the ending? I don't even know. Last week I messed up the beginning. This week I messed up the ending. I'm really on a roll. Bye. Bye. <laughs>of skeptic podcast is written and hosted by kayla moria and Brittany lind this week's episode is edited by me Brittany lind the left of skeptic music is by dave melling and emily havoc and our artwork is by al leblanc okay bye